Did you know that most vitamin D3 supplements come from sheep's wool? Ew, seriously. They squeeze the grease out of the wool and process it with chemicals, and then you eat it. I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual, the company making traceability the new standard in the supplement industry. When I was pregnant, I got rid of products I didn't want anywhere near my body. I found that many multivitamins contain high amounts of heavy metals, synthetic colorants, and even lacked some of the nutrients we actually needed. So what did I do? At four months pregnant, I quit my job and started Ritual because all women deserve to know what they're putting in their bodies and why. Ritual's products are made traceable, meaning we share the science and sourcing for every single ingredient. For example, our vegan vitamin D3 comes from sustainably harvested lichen in Nottingham, England, not sheep. We trace like a mother because, let's be honest, no one cares quite like a mother. See for yourself with 25% off at ritual.com slash podcast. You're listening to the Her Paper Root Podcast, episode 16. Our guest today is Lauren Taylor. Lauren Taylor is a website designer and SEO strategist who helps coaches and creatives turn their websites into an evergreen lead generation machine so that they can stand out, get seen, and make more sales. You're listening to the Her Paper Root Podcast, a show all about money and entrepreneurship with host Chelsea Clark. Chelsea is a marketing strategist and the founder of HerPaperRoot.com, a friendly and supportive hive for ambitious, passionate entrepreneurs like you to learn how to growth hack your idea into a profitable business. We encourage you to fearlessly tackle your wildest goals. We know that as your own boss, you can deliver your unique message and make more paper. You just need a plan. Here's your host, Chelsea Clark. By combining her technical background in SEO with her passion for design, Lauren helps her clients create visual brand identities, conversion-focused websites, and long-term visibility strategies. Welcome to the show, Lauren. Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to have you here to share some tips for how business owners can use their website and use SEO as a marketing tool because I think everyone knows or everyone should know by now that if they run a business, they need a website. And building and designing websites is not something that comes naturally to just anyone. So that's where you come in as a professional web designer. So please share with us how you got your start as a website designer. For sure. Yeah. So growing up, I have always had an interest in design and technology, but art always felt like creative expression and not really something that I was actually good at. So I went more of the technology route and pursued engineering in late high school and into early college. I realized very quickly, though, after taking Calc 3, that this was not my path. I transferred schools, got a degree in public relations and marketing, and that's what led to my SEO job at an agency where I spent two years. Basically, my role was to push down negative search results that would appear when you Googled a company or a person's name. I worked on accounts for billion-dollar global brands and high-profile people like activists, celebrities, and lawyers. Some of those articles or profiles we would move to work down were not good things, though. And over time, it really took a toll on my happiness. I felt like I had no real purpose, and it wasn't sitting right with me ethically, even though we did everything by Google standards. After a year into my role, I found out about the online business world through an ad, and it literally changed my life. I thought that you had to wait 10 years to start freelancing, and the thought that entrepreneurs were selling their information through online courses was mind-boggling to me. 
That's when I discovered my love and obsession for design, especially website design. I realized that I could combine my technical experience working in SEO with my passion for design. Looking back to my high school years, it all makes sense now that I've ended up where I am now. And coming into the online business world, I realized just how much of a gap there was and still is between website designers and truly understanding how SEO works. So whereas my job felt very reactive in pushing down search results, I love the proactive approach I take now with my clients in helping them climb pages of Google and get found for different search terms. So now I'm really passionate about spreading the message of having a professional and conversion-focused website combined with SEO because there is so much connection between the two. Very cool. And the job that you were in before you left and created your own business, that was in digital marketing. Is that right? Yes, it was digital marketing, but um, much more focused on SEO. Okay. And you mentioned something about it didn't feel ethical. Do you want to elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah. So kind of like what I was talking about, um, my job was to push down negative search results. So when you Googled um, a company's name or a person's name, what showed up on page one, if there was um, a negative article, um, you know, of course, there was an article that included something that um, didn't put them in the best light. My job was to um, was to try and push that down through using different SEO tactics. Okay, yeah, I understand that. I could definitely see how that would make you feel a little bit like, oh, I don't know, this is so cool. <laughs> how did you right. know that it was the right time to quit your job and and then pursue your own business? Like, how did you know that was the right time? Um, well, I had been side hustling for probably 10 months by the point that I left. And it just felt like the right time to pull the plug because I felt like I, um, you know, I had enough experience in SEO to bring that into my business. Um, and also just kind of having like the business foundations, but at the same time, like I would just have these almost not like sleepless nights, but it would take me two hours to fall asleep because I couldn't stop like dreaming about my life after working at a nine to five and running my own business. So it was the combination of just being tired of working towards something every day that kind of felt meaningless at my job. And then having that passion to start my own business and pursue um, more creative roles in design. Yes. What was it like when you realized that the freelance or the consultant life was your calling and that was your purpose? Yeah, it was It was really um, eye-opening. I had never really become obsessed with something so much. Like I just found myself sitting at my desk for hours trying to figure out website design and just having the, um, the realization that I had actually found something that truly lit me up. Um, it was unlike any feeling that I had ever experienced. So I knew that it was the right path for me and that I finally, um, you know, found what I was looking for. It felt like things like in my career and what I was going to do with my life really clicked at that point. Uh, gotcha. So it kind of just like felt like it all was falling into place. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I know that it's never completely smooth sailing when you're starting your own business and especially when you're leaving a salary job behind. So in those first few months when you struck it out on your own, did you experience any doubt or worry about making it all work as your own boss? Yeah, I think that everyone goes through some um, sort of doubt. Um, but I have a really great support system. I was able to move back in with my parents. So I wasn't worrying about rent. And of course, I still worried about, you know, paying my other bills. Um, but that definitely helped a lot. And 
um, probably a few months after I quit my job, that was when I really started investing in coaching. So I really got the support that I needed and just having a community of women to lean on when I needed help with things um, was so, so helpful. That does sound really, really helpful. And so did having a coach help you stay focused on your business? Yeah, I would say so because they were definitely big investments to me at the time. And um, I knew that if I was going to hand over um, you know, a large sum of money that I was really going to put all my effort into you know, taking what they were teaching me and really applying that and um, you know, doing as much as I could to see the results out of that coaching. Yeah, I kind of think of it almost like a gym membership when it's really expensive. It's like you have to go because <laughs> you spent all this money. Yeah, exactly. And now that you're you're running your company, and I see that you tell your clients that you will give them their dream website in just two weeks. So how do you make that happen for them? So pretty much the first week is um, I build out the website. I start with the homepage. Um, let them, uh, you know, see that, and then they give um, their feedback, and I do a revision on that before I build out the rest of the website in that week one, and then week two, they have four rounds of revisions between Monday and Thursday, and then we launch on Friday, and I only take one client at a time, um, so that I'm only focused on them because I found that when I had to work more clients, I was kind of bouncing back between all of um, you know their information and the needs for their website, and so now I'm able to solely focus on one client at a time. And I absolutely love it. And my clients love that they're able to get their website so quickly. Yeah, that is definitely a big selling feature, I would think, because people want their website, they want it right away. And two weeks is a really good time frame. There is a ton more coming up on today's episode. But first, I want to quickly thank our sponsors for making this show possible. Want to learn something new today? Skillshare is an awesome online learning community where you can learn a new skill in just about anything. There are over 16,000 free and premium classes. Get personalized, on-demand education on everything from SEO, design, business, marketing, creative arts, and more. Today, you can get two months of unlimited classes for free right now when you go to herpaperoot.com Skillshare. My go-to project management tool has to be HoneyBook. It handles my clients, my projects, my invoices. It also has contact forms and questionnaires, appointment scheduling, and task management, and keeps me on the ball so I never miss something important. And everyone listening can get a free trial of HoneyBook by going to herpaperroot.com HoneyBook. And if you decide to upgrade, you will get 50% off your first year, which is a savings of $280. What are some essential things that a website needs to be a highly converting website for someone's business? So I would say that there are four things. Um, So the first one is having a cohesive and professional feel. So this is where the visuals come into play. 90% of what we see first on a website is the visuals, which is why they are so important. So the aesthetic, emotions, and colors um, between you know, your, um, your fonts, images, textures, and patterns, and graphic elements should flow together seamlessly. You want to use no more than um, five colors. And for those colors that you choose for your palette, you want to have a mix of light and dark colors for contrast. For font choices, two fonts is best. 
If you want a script font on your site, that's your third and final font. However, you want to make sure that you're only using that script font sparingly and not for full sentences because then they're very difficult to read and that hurts the user experience. Um, and the last note about visuals, you want to make sure that you're not only choosing elements that appeal to you, but also that will appeal to your dream clients. You don't want your dream clients to feel like they're in the wrong place when they land on your site. So that's number one. Um, number two is strong and clear messaging. So just like how I mentioned, 90% of what people see first are the visuals. The remaining 10% is the text, which is what gets people to buy. And vague or, confuse, or confusing messaging is the number one website killer I see. So the content on your website should do three things. It should clearly explain who you help, how you help them, and what makes you unique. This should go right at the top of your homepage and above the fold if you can make it work. Above the fold, if you're not sure what that is, it's what people see first on any website page. Um, number two is that you want to speak directly to the pain points and the transformation your dream clients desire. This info should appear at the top of your about page and services page. Um, and a couple more notes about that. Your about page isn't all about you. Surprisingly, it's about your dream clients feeling like the hero through your brand story. And your services page is not just the place where you slap your packages and run. You need to show that you understand what your dream clients are struggling with, where they want to be, and how you're the solution for that. Um, and the, the third part about content is that you want to infuse your personality, let people see who you are, and don't be afraid to write like you speak um, and use slang words. Interesting. I, I like that using slang words, because I think that could be, you know, some people would be worried that that could go either way, you could turn people away. But I think, um, you know, using it here and there, it helps you to define your audience. And if you like to use slang words, you're going to use slang words, and you're going to attract the people who resonate with that and keep the people who wouldn't like it, you know, away. So that's how you kind of find your dream clients too. you talk to them as if you know, it's your friend. Yeah, exactly. Everything that you said um, was perfectly true. It's going to attract those people that, you know, connect with that. And then the people that don't really vibe with that, and they feel put off by it, then they're then they're not going to want to work with you. But at the same time, then they're not your dream client. So it's totally fine. Um, don't feel like you're alienating people, you want to show people who you really are. Um, so that was number two. And then number three is infusing strategy on your website. Um, so you really want to be thinking about the goal of your website and how you're leading potential clients there. So this is where you want to focus on the customer journey. Um, so a few things you want to um, have a simple navigation setup. So if you can, you really want to keep your navigation to a maximum of five pages. You can remove um, your homepage from the top navigation. People know that clicking the logo takes them back to the homepage. So that's why it's not necessary up there. Um, think about whatever the, like the most important pieces of information for someone um, to see before hiring you, that is what should go in your top navigation. Everything else can go in the footer. And you want to make sure that you're using straightforward and simple page titles. Um, this is not a place where you want to be creative. An outsider should know exactly what they're going to click on. Your titles should be um, you know, along the lines of home, about, services, testimonials, contact, and blog. Of course, you know, services can be something a little different, like work with me, packages, investment, um, and testimonials can be praise instead. But you can see how all of those are simple and very easy to understand. The next piece is that you want to have calls to action on each page. I see this missing from so many DIY websites. Um, your homepage is kind of like the gateway to the rest of your website. So it's meant to provide a preview to the other pages. So having multiple calls to action here is fine. But besides your homepage, you should um, have a call to action at the bottom of every main page of your website. 
So thinking about the journey that you want to take people on through your website, are they going from your homepage to your about to your services and then to contact? Then you'd have those links at the bottom of each page leading one by one to each of those pages. So you're only leading someone to one place at the bottom um, of your pages or you can have uh, multiple calls to action on one page as long as they're only leading to that one destination. Um, and the reason why you only want to be directing people to one place is because having too many options is overwhelming and you really want to make it as simple, stupid as possible um, for them so that they're not wondering where they should go next. Um, and another note with the buttons is that you are with the links is that you want to make sure that they're buttons instead of text links because they stand out more and therefore have a higher click through rate. Um, another piece of strategy is thinking about where you're promoting your freebie. You can do this as a banner at the top of your website, um, someplace on your homepage, in your footer, or as a pop-up. Clients come to me and they say they're not seeing any email subscribers coming through their website because their freebie is nowhere to be found. So you definitely want to make sure that you're putting it out front and center. Number four is SEO or search engine optimization. And if you're not sure what SEO is, it's about tweaking the content and technical elements of your website to um, give it a higher chance of ranking high up in Google. So SEO is commonly pushed under the rug when it comes to designing websites, but it definitely deserves a seat at the table. So not only does SEO help Google understand what your website is about, but also disregarding it altogether and not implementing best practices can severely impact the user experience, even if you're not blogging. So here are a few things that you should be doing in terms of SEO on your website. The most important is reducing the image file sizes so that you don't slow down the load time of your pages. This will create a horrible user experience because if your website takes like five seconds to load, people are going to click out of it and not even see what you have to offer. Um, and the main culprit of um, having a slow load time on your website is images. So you should not be uploading raw files to your computer because most images are between three and 20 megabytes. That's a huge file size. You wanna make sure that your images are all the way down below like 500 kilobytes if you can. And that's even like just for like large banner images. Other images should definitely be smaller. And you can reduce the file sizes for free with um, tinyPNG and tinyjpeg.com. Uh, I also use a paid program called JPEG Mini, which um, works wonderful as well. Um, a few other things you want to do for SEO is renaming the image files to include keywords. A simple formula could be something like uh, your title, underscore, your name, underscore, and then what the photo is about. You, want also, or you also want to make sure that you're adding keywords to your title tag. In Squarespace, this is your site title. Um, you want to add meta descriptions to each page. Meta descriptions are the sentences that appear in search below a URL for a page or blog post. Um, and you also want to make sure that you're removing large amounts of text inside images because it tends to be blurry and Google can't read it. So whenever possible, you want to make sure that Google can read all the text on your website. I guess like in this instance, I'm thinking of like, I had a client who came to me and her entire homepage and I think about page was built inside Canva. So she literally wrote all of her text inside Canva with images and exported all of that as like JPEGs to her actual website. So just any like actual text that you place inside an image and then export that and put onto your website. Um, you know, if you're trying to build your website and you can't find the, the right way to customize it, I see that that's kind of when that situation happens of um, uploading um, a lot of images with text inside them. If someone is listening and they're listening to your tips about 
what they can do uh, for their own SEO for their website. And they want to be able to get found on Google and they want to get those leads on autopilot from SEO. What are some things that they should be doing? I would say um, that you want to make sure, um, I have a few few different things here, but you want to make sure that you are focusing um, more on educational content. So where a lot of online business owners go wrong is they write journal-like entries. Um, But really, this only seems to work more for lifestyle bloggers. But if you're a business blog, you need to focus on creating content that your dream clients are actually searching for. So unless you're someone really big like Jenna Kutcher, um, readers in the beginning don't really want to hear about you know your nighttime routine. They want to know that your content solves their problems. So you want to make sure that you're turning the focus on them um, by creating strong blog post titles and um, that content that um, really helps them uh, figure out the uh, solutions to their problems. So for example, if you're a health coach, instead of a title like don't suffer during the holidays, you want to write something like five steps to healthy eating during the holidays. Um, Because the person reading that title knows exactly what they're going to learn. And also going off of that, um, listicles or list articles are really great for blogging on things like four steps, strategies, tips, ways to, etc. Having that number and then having something concrete. Um, And then the topic of like what they're going to learn, that is um, the best kind of blog post title that you want to write which then helps with um, you know, writing really strong blog posts. And um, another thing you want to make sure that you're doing is um, keyword research. So you need to be marrying the content that you want to write about with what people are actually searching. So this is where focusing on long tail keywords, which are three word phrases or more, is going to be more impactful instead of just focusing on trying to rank for one keyword, which is very, very difficult to do. Um, And so you can simply just start doing this for free through Google. So um, a few different things you can use. Um, One is Google autocomplete. So when you are typing into the Google search bar, those um, suggestions that appear below that, um, that is Google autocomplete. So you can see what is also being searched. Um, you can use the um, people also ask box, which um, appears after you've done a sh- after you've done a search, and um, shows the common questions that people are asking. And then um, a third one is searches related to, which is at the bottom of a search results page um, after you've done a search. Um, and then a paid tool that I really love is Keywords Everywhere, and that's a paid Chrome extension that um, shows the search volume right inside your Google search results page. So after you search something, it will show you um, how many people have searched for it and then also different um, searches and their search volume. Yeah, I love that tool. That's so helpful. It's really useful that it's right there inside of Google. So you don't have to go um, outside of Google for that. Yeah. And um, another thing that you want to be focusing on is using uh, your headings properly inside of your blog post. So your heading one is your blog post title. And that's the only heading one that should be inside of your blog post because using more than one heading one will confuse Google. And then you want to break up your blog post with heading two and heading three in terms of hierarchy. So um, heading two is like the main points. um, Or if you're using kind of like that listicle type style blog post that I mentioned, you can break up, you know, each step or each tip in a heading two. And then inside of that heading two, you can break it down further with heading three. Um, That just helps Google understand um, what the blog post is about and understanding its structure and how it's broken up. 
Um, and then you also want to make sure that you are writing long form content. Um, 500 word blog posts may work for Pinterest, um, but not really for Google because Google wants to provide its users with the best possible resources. And that's why you want to aim for your blog post to be between a thousand and three thousand words. And I know that that sounds really daunting, um, but this is where recycling your Instagram and Facebook feed posts, Instagram and Facebook live videos, IGTV, podcast episodes, YouTube videos, um, that can all really come into play here with repurposing um, because really Google can only read YouTube videos. So everything else is basically hidden to Google. And you've most likely, um, you've like created um, months or years of content that you could use um, inside of your blog post. That's a great tip. <laughs> yeah, no, that that's one of the main things that um, I hear a lot is that I don't have time to blog. Um, you know, I, I just don't want to find the time to do this. But um, there's so much content that is out there that Google can't see. So it could 100% be put on your blog and help you get found through Google. Yeah. The content repurposing is so important in the grand scheme of things because there's so many things that take so much time. And if you really look at all the different social networks and things that you do in a day, you've already created a ton of content. So if you can use it on your blog, it's just going to do you a great favor. Exactly. And I tell some of my clients if they um, if they feel like they need help with it, you know, you can have your VA transcribe different things for you or hire a ghostwriter. That's another really great option as well. Yeah, definitely. And then going off of that, um, you also want to make sure that with your blog post that you're optimizing your URLs. So um, you want to remove the dates and you want to only keep the keywords from your blog post title. Because So basically you only um, want to have those keywords and remove all of the other um, fluff. And then um, another really important thing you want to do on your blog is like, don't give up too early. Make sure that you are, um, you know, putting in the time and energy and um, giving it a few months um, to like actually make sure um, that you're not just giving up too early because blogging and using SEO to get found through Google is a long-term strategy. Some blog posts can rank in a couple of weeks on page one. Um, but others can take months. It really all depends on the search volume, the competition um, for those keywords and all the other content and technical SEO, SEO elements on your website and blog. Definitely. That's a really important thing to mention because the effort that you put in towards SEO is not instant results. You don't see it right away. It takes time to be picked up and rank and there's a lot of things going on. So if you're putting all this SEO effort in now, just know that a couple months down the road, like that's when you might expect to start seeing some of the results from that effort you put in now. Exactly. Exactly. Couldn't agree more. Ensuring that your website is legally compliant does not have to be confusing. Lawyer Amira at A Self Guru has created a legal template bundle for bloggers and entrepreneurs that covers your privacy page, your terms and conditions, and your affiliate disclosure page. She also has a whole legal store of every other type of contract and template that you could ever need. Go to herpaperroot.com slash legal bundle to discover Amira's contract shop. What are some crucial SEO mistakes that you see business owners making on their blog? 
in terms of growing your leads on autopilot with SEO, um, it really brings together um, what we just kind of walked through with creating that high quality content that provides solutions to what your dream clients are struggling with and making sure that you're doing the keyword research and using keywords that people are typing into Google. So that will help you get found and getting found on page one or two of Google gives you instant credibility and expert status. But thinking about what comes after that that is where calls to action are super important inside your blog post. I can't even tell you how many blog posts I come across that don't have any calls to action. Um, so you want to be thinking about how you are making sure that you're capturing those people coming to your blog. This is where you want to include graphics and links to your freebies. So you can do this as a pop-up. You can have it in your blog sidebar. You can insert graphics inside your blog posts between the sections with like a mock-up of a PDF and then having text next to it saying, you know, grab the, the free ebook and then having that link out to a landing page or something like that. And then you also want to think about having calls to action to your services. So are you mentioning in your blog post that you help people struggling with the things that relate to that topic of your post? You know, don't be afraid to include a hyperlink to your services page. You could also put a call to action at the bottom of your blog post to your services page. Um, but don't just slap it there at the bottom. You can put a sentence above that addressing their struggles. Then on the button, you can add text in first person like, yes, I need this or something with a transformation like I'm ready for 5k months. If you're a business coach, for example, just make sure you're not stranding them there at the bottom of the post and giving them something to do instead. So that is how you'll able, or I'll start that over. Um, that, that is how you'll grow your leads on autopilot. That's awesome. Yeah. So when no matter what page it is, like you said, don't get people down there and then they're, they're just stranded at the bottom of a page. Show them what the next step is that they need to click on and how they can um, take action and hire you or learn more, that sort of thing. Exactly. Yeah. Because I think sometimes we think that it's so obvious that someone will know what the next step is, um, but it's really up to you to show them and tell them what they should be doing. Mm-hmm. You're leading your clients into the funnel or what you want them to do to get into your funnel. Exactly. Yeah. We touched on this a little bit throughout our conversation, but any sort of major points that stick out to you for how business owners can use their website as a marketing and a sales tool? Someone who has a new website or a new business, what should they be focusing on if they want to use their website as a marketing and sales tool? Yeah. So I think it really comes back to combining, you know, what we talked about, because this is when, you know, your website is beautiful and professional. It contains clear messaging that connects with dream clients. It's strategically set up to lead people to your offers and you're blogging consistently because you can have a blog that drives traffic to your site and you might be getting some readers opting into your list. But if your website looks unprofessional and people are confused by what you do, they're less likely to opt in and hire you. So that's why you want to make sure that you have all of these components because once you do, you'll get dozens or hundreds of people finding you through Google every day. And that is how your website can really be used as a 24-7 marketing and sales tool. You know, blogging and SEO, like we talked about, is a long-term visibility strategy, but the payoff is incredible. So even if you're just blogging, um, you know, you can still get clients that way. It's, you know, blogging is often referred to, um, you know, as um, an older, like, um, marketing uh strategy nowadays, because of course, you know, everyone talks about Instagram and Facebook. Um, but blogging and having a really strong website can do wonders for your business. And how often do you think people should be blogging? What is consistency? 
I would say that um, if you don't have a lot of time, I think it would probably be best to write a blog post anywhere between like two and 3000 words uh, twice a month. So if you're able to put something super high quality out every two weeks, I think that's great. Of course, if you are able to push something out um, every week, that's great as well. Um, But like I mentioned before, you don't want to be just uh, throwing up a bunch of 500 word blog posts onto your website, because then you're not going to see the results that you really want. So um, yeah, if you can do it every week, that's great. Um, But I think every other week is totally fine. Cool. And do you have any productivity hacks that you can share with us? I would say in general, I I do like to do um, time tracking, I use toggle. Um, But in terms of blogging, I guess to save some time, I'll typically, you know, if I do like a Facebook Live, um, I'll put that in Asana and I'll, um, you know, organize that with like other live videos that I've done. Or if I have um, a blog post idea, you know, I'll, I feel like I try to keep everything in one area. And so that helps that I'm not like scrambling, trying to find um, topics to write about. I feel like laying out everything, you know, all the different topics that I want to talk about, but then also like other content pieces that I've already produced, whether it is a live video or an Instagram feed post that just needs to have more added to it. I feel like keeping everything um, organized in a program like Asana, I found has helped me a lot. That's great. Yeah. So you kind of keep all of your content ideas and content that you have all over the internet sort of under one roof. So when you need it, you can go and you have like a treasure trove of content ideas and things to pick from. Right, exactly. And then sometimes with my um, live videos or IGTV videos, um, I will um, put that in like a Google Drive folder um, that my virtual assistant has access to so that she can go in and transcribe those blog posts or um, those different pieces of content for me so that then I can kind of take more of that blog post format and go off of that instead of having to do all of that on my own. Yeah, no, that's really good. I mean, especially having a VA to help, I always recommend that too. Like you don't have to do everything all on your own as a solopreneur. There are people that can help you and make things a lot easier because when you're running your own business, you are wearing all the hats and juggling all the plates and, you know, having a VA is a huge, huge help. Yeah, you definitely don't want to try to be doing everything on your own because I feel like with blogging, there's so many tiny little administrative type tasks that someone can 100% take off your hands for you. Um, So definitely um, utilizing that help that you have um, is really, uh, it's it's so crucial if you you really want to be able um, to, you know, put out more blog posts in a certain span of time. Where can our listeners connect with you? You can find me at laurentaylor.com. I'm also on Instagram, Lauren underscore Taylor, and that is T-A-Y-L-A-R, not O-R. Well, thank you so much for chatting with me. It's been really, really great and super insightful. So thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for tuning in to the Her Paper Root podcast. We hope you found this episode helpful. If you did, please say so by leaving us a review on iTunes. And be sure to share this episode with your friends. For more entrepreneurship resources and to connect with Chelsea, swing by herpaperroot.com. Now go make something.
Have you heard about the 2018 study that showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? No? Well, now you have. I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual, a company making traceability the new standard in the supplement industry. I remember staring at my prenatal vitamins and finding all these things I was trying to avoid. High amounts of heavy metals, synthetic colorants, and unnecessary ingredients. So, at four months pregnant, I quit my job and started Ritual, because I believe that all women deserve to know what they're putting in their bodies and why. I'm so proud of our prenatal vitamin. The ingredients are 100% traceable, it's third-party tested for microbes and heavy metals, and recently received the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. You see, we trace like a mother because, let's be honest, no one cares quite like a mother. But don't just take my word for it. Trace for yourself with 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast.